right, everyone. Well, good morning again. Would you do me a favor and welcome our first time guests today? Just celebrate them. We really consider it an honor. We're so glad that you're here, really, to experience Hillside. But we've got to tell you, I've got to tell you, our ultimate hope is that you leave encouraged in your walk with God. Uh, it would, we'd be amiss to say you got Hillside, but you didn't get Jesus. We want to tell you, as a church, man, we know God is for you. He loves you. Listen, uh, whether, you, whether you feel totally at home spiritually or you feel a little distant, let me say loud and clear, God loves you. No matter where you are in the journey, no matter if you've been running and running and running, hear this, God has been running after you. He loves you. He sees you. And uh, it doesn't all make, make sense, does it? And it certainly may not all make sense as you're finding your way back to the Lord, but we can all testify you're surrounded by people who know what it's like to have run in the opposite direction, but then to have been met by the love of God. So just wanted to say that and, and welcome so many of you this morning. Um, I, I mentioned before I um, came back up that um, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. And the reason is we are in a series called What's in a Name? And it's a bit of a rhetorical question because, you know, what's in a name? You don't get to answer. I do. Okay, so it's a little rhetorical, but we're looking at four distinct names of God, four distinct names of God. And I've actually said this every Sunday. Um, the best way for us to understand it is it's, it's more sacred. It's more holy. But think of a nickname. All right. These aren't nicknames of God. But these are names that recall a moment. They recall an experience. They are names given from, most of the time, from people to God, toward God. Not that God didn't know who he was, but these people encountered God in a specific way. And so if, if you're anything like me, you kind of grew up maybe in a home or in a, a, you know, on a sports team or at school, you were given a nickname, some you would rather forget, amen, and others, you know, are a point of affection, and they, they've, they've kind of marked you in a way, in a, in a good way, in an affirming way, and, um, you know, that nickname, aren't you glad we're not all going to write them down and share with one another, but... That nickname has significance. It, it is maybe a season in your childhood or in your teenage or young adult years. It's, 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 it's a short term for a part of who you are, a part of your personality, maybe a part of your um, physical appearance or physique or the lack thereof, right? It's a, it's a nickname that, that brings something to mind. Here are the names we've been looking at. A couple weeks ago, we began this series with Jehovah Shalom. That's the English translation of the Hebrew language and the Hebrew context. And Jehovah Shalom means the Lord is peace. And so we discovered a part of God's identity, or maybe we were reminded of part of God's identity. And each of these names, I should say, you will see displayed in the life of Jesus, the Son of God, the fullness of God. And the week, uh, a week ago, we looked at not at um, Jehovah Shalom, we went forward and we looked at um, Jehovah Nisi as the Lord is my banner. 
Uh, or another way of interpreting that is the Lord fights for us. The Lord battles for us. And I talked about how there's sometimes battles we know nothing of. And God has stood as our defender and shielded us from situations, from circumstances. That's how faithful God is. Well, today um, is perhaps the most familiar name. Um, if you have um, some church background or church experience background, um, even today we, we, we sung on this name. There's been lots of songs written about this. There are lots of stories surrounding this particular name because it is one of the predominant experiences that we have. We need God to provide for us in a tangible and sometimes intangible way. And the name of God is Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh, which translated is the Lord is my provider or the Lord is provider. Now, in the original language, it's Yahweh sees. And I'll unpack some more of that. But I want to dive into a story, not a recent story or a personal story, but a story from a ministry a couple centuries ago in England, in Bristol, England, to be specific. And the man that this story is about is a man you may have heard his name before, George Mueller. George Mueller was a Christian evangelist in the 1800s. Along with being an evangelist, he also oversaw and directed an orphanage in Bristol. And he oversaw, was responsible for, over 300 children. Now, you got to go back with me 200 years. The climate, the, change, the cultural climate, I should say, the so, uh, society settings, it was not a culture of abundance at that point in time. It was still aristocratic in very, very many ways. And so orphans were in tremendous need. And this man was a follower of Christ. George Mueller would share the gospel, preach the gospel. But at the same time, his responsibilities lay with the orphans of Ashley Down Orphanage. And here's, a, here's an account of one particular miracle story in his life and the life of that orphanage. Here's how it reads. The children are dressed and ready for school, but there's no food for them to eat. The house mother of the orphanage informed George Mueller. George asked her to, make, or to take the 300 children into the dining room and have them sit at the tables. He thanked God for the food and waited. What a bold move. What a step of faith. George knew that he knew that he knew that he knew God would provide food for the children as he always did. Within minutes of the children being seated at their tables, a baker knocked on the door. Mr. Mueller, he said, last night I could not sleep. Somehow I knew that you would need bread this morning. I got up, I baked three batches for you. I'm bringing it in. Soon, there was another knock at the door. This time, the milkman. His cart had broken down in front of the orphanage, of all things. The milk would spoil by the time the wheel was fixed. He asked George if he could use some free milk. George smiled as the milkman brought in 10 large cans of milk. It was just enough for the 300 thirsty children. It's a glimpse into George Mueller's life. It's a glimpse into the experience of the orphans, but it's also a glimpse into God's faithfulness in our lives and the faithfulness of his people. 
It may seem less significant for you and I remove 200 years. If you're anything like me, you've got your bottled waters, you've got plenty of milk, you've got refrigeration and air conditioning. Our needs are different. But nonetheless, imagine, picture yourself in George Mueller's shoes. You have the responsibility before you to provide. Only to know that in prayer and closeness with Christ, you realize, indeed, what you thought was your responsibility is actually ultimately His. And here's this truth, that as we walk in relationship with God, you can stand confident that God will meet your needs, that He will provide for you, that he is faithful. I do have, uh, uh, I will say, I have a habit of this next statement. God misses plenty of times to show up early, but he's always on time, all right? So you need to know that as we, uh, as we journey through. Um, Genesis 22 is where I, I ask you to turn. Genesis 22 is kind of the pinnacle, the pivotal, the big story in Abraham and Sarah's life. I should say Abraham's story because as best can be recorded, he didn't share the story with his wife till after the fact. And as we read the story, you'll find out why. Abraham and Sarah had been on a journey and God had removed them from the place of their ancestors and was moving them into a place of promise. And the distance between was a pilgrimage of faith and trust in relationship with God. And God was going to prove himself faithful and faithful. As I said a moment ago, God happened to miss many opportunities to show up early, but he always showed up right on time. And Abraham and Sarah conceived of their son, the promised one for them, the promise of God over their life, Isaac. And then Genesis 22 happens, a strange, obscure story. We're going to take a moment and read these 14 verses together. And in it, you'll see where we get the name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. We'll read together. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. This is a test. There are moments in your journey God will test you. This is a significant test for Abram. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Um, Dad? Yes, my son. The fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Well, Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. 
He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over, he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. A significant moment, no doubt, for Abraham, and a significant moment, no doubt, for Isaac as well. And Abraham signifies that moment by identifying the hand of the Lord, protecting him from what he was about to do, and also ushering him in to an understanding, a knowledge of who God is, that God is the one who provides. God is the one who sees he knows, and he is faithful to provide. For us, we get the word provide or provision. If we backtrack a little bit, a few centuries, we can go back to the Latin. And the Latin, it gives us, yeah, there we go. Provision is a compound of two Latin words, meaning to see beforehand. The literal translation is not the Lord will provide. The literal translation for us is Yahweh sees. Yahweh sees. It's a little bit different than the Lord will provide, but we can make the connection quite quickly. In Latin, our English translation for the word see is video. That's where we get video from, the Latin root word for see. Vision is tied to seeing. God foreseeing, perhaps the best word, is not just provision, but Pre-vision. Pre-vision is an adequate word to understanding provision. If you're anything like me, you get caught up in the moment of provision. But here's the deal. Our experience of provision was no surprise to God because of his pre-vision, his knowledge of our journey, his knowledge of our experience in this life. He knows just what we need, just when we need it. What George Mueller was encountering with God in prayer was a lifeline to relationship where he could experience peace, he could experience calm. He knew that God was moving things, orchestrating things, and yet God lovingly invites you and I to pray, to encounter God, to walk in that faith and in that trust, and to keep our eyes on him knowing full well that God is true to what his son would say, that before our need is even mentioned, God is completely aware, and he's not two steps, he's about 200 miles ahead of us. I remember my life has been marked by these Jehovah Jireh experiences. We're looking back, the list just keeps getting longer and longer and longer and longer. But as I was preparing this message, there's one story I just could not shake from me. And it was early in my years of ministry in Florida. I had just started as the young adults director. In fact, I was to start on that Monday. 
And on the Sunday, I was invited to the most recent, at that time, newcomer's lunch. And so I was like, yeah, of course I'll get there. I'll connect with any young adults that are there. There happened to be three young adults. Actually, there were two young adults and a guy trying to sneak into young adults, I think, to get to meet some people. Turner Eccles, Amber Lido, Kelly Page were the three young adults. I was interested in one. I was interested in all, all three for the sake of ministry. But I was interested in one because she was beautiful. <laughs> Kelly Page. And we would land up falling in love and getting married, starting a family, and all the good things of life. But as we got to know each other, after she would say a million coffees together before our first date, um, she would begin to share some of the story of how it was so strange that she went to that newcomer's lunch because she actually attended the church way before I did. And every time a newcomer's lunch would come up, she said, I'll just do the next one. I'll just do the next one. I'll just do the next one. And then she was like, ah, I need to get them off my back. I'll just show up to the one in December. So here she is. She shows up. And the day before I officially start in my position, here I show up. And here's what's crazy. Yes, our proximity was close then. But if you happen to backtrack at that time, 25 years, our proximity was completely different. She was born two and a half hours north in Greenville, Alabama. I happened to be born 2,000 miles south in Cape Town, South Africa. And it's a remarkable pre-vision of the Lord in that, you know, she always knew she wanted a southern man, you know. She just didn't know how south she wanted that man to be. <laughs> and she didn't know that my southern accent was strikingly different from her southern accent. But I say that to say that, that that's a bit of my story, a bit of my journey. But I wonder for you, some of the pre-vision of God in your life. The fact that you're even here may be a little move of God in your life. That I'm sent as a messenger to remind you that God has been faithful. That the current circumstances that are shaking you are here to remind you that God is unshakable. And that the deficit you may be experiencing is just because there's going to be a greater outpouring and abundance. And your current setback is a setup to encounter God like never before. I believe in moments in our life that we live in a time that you and I were given from before we were born. In the Greek, it's called chronos, clock time, daytime, nighttime. When people show up five minutes late, time. When people show up 15 minutes early to your small group, time. All right? <laughs> When you visit the church, but you know you came too early. Sorry about that. No, I'm kidding. That is chronos time. Your lunch plans, right? Your appointments this week. The demands for you to wake up early tomorrow and get to your first appointment. That is chronos time. The countdown clock before service. Okay, you get the picture. Chronos time. God lives in Jesus' experience, kairos time. It's the invitation that you and I have been given to experience life. 
Kairos and Kronos, they're not at odds with each other. They're just different measurements for experiencing life. Kronos is, I was born September 17th, 1981. That's Kronos. I can mark that date. But a Kairos moment is not the discovery of when I was born, but why I was born. You know what I mean? There are moments along your life, maybe your parents or grandparents can relate. Yeah, your, your child has a birth date, but that's not what comes to mind when you're look, flipping through your pictures. Oh, babe, look, look, here's her birth date. Like, what's wrong with you, Paul? <laughs> no, what are we doing? We're, we're showing Kairos moments. Hey, you remember when you bought Lily and me matching bathing suits? No, I'm kidding. But you, you know, you're, you're, you're flipping through. Remember that one memory, that one memory? Those are, those are Kairos moments. That's what your life is measured by as well. Not the chronos, the date and time, but these Kairos moments. What Abraham is experiencing is a Kairos moment with God, a breaking through, a memory, a experience that changes the game. In our relationship with God, God is not looking for you to have simply a Kronos experience, an intellectual understanding. He's looking for you to have a Kairos experience, a experience that's kind of fully embodied. It's a relational experience. Like to know that God is Jehovah Jireh, it will change your life. The overwhelming peace, the overwhelming calm. And one of the things I've, I've learned to do over time is to remind myself. I have to remind myself. Sometimes it's almost daily reminding myself that God has been so faithful then, we know he'll be faithful now. Amen. That God was more than able then, we know that he's more than able now. And here's what we do. We get our eyes off of our circumstances and we keep our eyes lifted onto the Father. We get our eyes off of lack or deficit. Lack or deficit is momentary. And there's a chance it's building within us an encounter with God that will last forever, that will change the game. And so God invites us. He invites us. He reveals who he is. But I want to tell you, he is to be experienced and known. And so God doesn't just want to say, hey, I'm Jehovah Jireh, welcome to the party. No, he wants to one-on-one -on -one with you individually. And I'm sure you have these moments as well, where as you look back, you see the hand of God, you see the work of God, you see the surprise of God. And sometimes it's monetary, sometimes it's relational, sometimes it's a tangible, sometimes it's a sweet intangible that takes you a little while and you're like, man, I'm so glad I'm in community. You know, you remember when we didn't have a community and now we're in community. You remember when, oh goodness, we didn't have friends, but God brought us into friends. You remember when it felt just like a wilderness, but here we are in the promised land. That is the working out of God in relationship with us. And Jehovah Jireh, here's the beautiful thing. It's to be expected. One of my favorite communicators, he said, hey, you have a right to take God's word for granted. You know, one of the words I say is, I don't take it for granted. He flips it on its lid and says, no, if it's in the word of God, take it for granted. Bank on it. Count on it. God's going to be faithful. And so God does this. It's his prevision. And then there's the moment of experience that is the provision. Another story that comes to mind is God's prevision 
over our life. And even the season that we are in this building is nothing short of God's miraculous prevision. You may be new to Hillside. You may not know yet that part of our story was we were portable. Yes, portable, somebody. Y'all aren't grieving, so you don't know the pain of portable church. A portable church, you show up way, 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 way early. You drive the trailer down, you unload all of your church on wheels. You set it all up, and then you pray, Lord, send people, and they come. You know, and, and, but it's a lot of setup. It's a lot of teardown. It's a lot of setup. It's a lot of teardown. So we begin in season, Lord, would you open the door? Would you show us? Would you reveal? Would you give us a place? And then if you're anything like me, you've looked around southern Indiana, and there's not a ton of options. And at that time, we were just like, oh, scratching our head. Well, the Lord used a co-worker of my wife's at the time. Brought through some connections. We landed up at this in this facility. But this facility, I'm just going to be honest, it still needs, but it really needed some reconstructive surgery. And if you've ever investigated the cost of reconstructive surgery or experienced reconstructive surgery, you know it takes some money, somebody. But here's the whole beautiful picture for me as part of that journey is God establishing his identity in my life. God revealing himself in my life. So he opened the door to the facility. Boom, check mark. And then he provided all we needed for reconstructive surgery. Boom. And it was, un, it, it was unparalleled. It was surprising. It was astonishing. One um, particular instance, I remember a church member had connected me with uh, somebody in our community. Never met him before. But we met for coffee, and, you know, we're meeting, we're talking, I'm sharing part of the vision, sharing part of the hope for what we want, and, um, you know, I'm sharing, hey, you know, there's this need, who knows, maybe you're, you're, you're part of going to meet that need, no, 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 doing the whole spiel, we're sipping on our lattes, and then at the end, he says, hey, before I even came here, Lord put on my heart 5,000, so we're just going to cut you a check, here it is, stranger, never met him. Had no idea. What is that on display? God's pre-vision. Significant moments along life's journey. And here's, here's what I want to tell you. You want to get your hopes up? God's got some moments ahead for you. Like you can't even see it right now. But God knows if he gives you all the details, you're going to try to make it happen in your own strength. And then it's not faith. Then it's not trust then you get the glory, somebody. So what does he do? He's like, hey, hey, you, I know you're down. I know you feel out. How about, how about this? I got you right where I want you. You've not failed me, and I'm not going to fail you. I love you. You're my beloved. You're not some outsider to right where you're supposed to be. You're my child, and I take care of my children. That's how God operates. God, God doesn't want to be known from a distance. You know how it is. You know when the water in your pool's too cold? Well, now we have two daughters, so we send them in. How's the temperature? But before we did, <laughs> Kelly would send me, approach the water, Paul. And I'm just like putting my fingers in. You know, other times she just would shove me in. But you know those moments here. And what are you doing? You're just, you're just touching, touching. Sometimes we live our life there spiritually, don't we? I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? 
whether it's a disappointment, whether it's a setback, whatever it is, you know, whether we just feel like we don't measure up, enemy uses all sorts of tactics, and it's fine for us to be there. And so what do we do? We're like, yeah, I'm just going to touch and see if the water is safe. <laughs> know that God is safe, man. God, when I say God is safe, he's going to call you in some unsafe or unfamiliar territory, but he's going to be steadfast and faithful all through your journey. He's so good. He's so good. And I want to, my, really, my hope today with this name of God was, was to encourage you and to inspire you. And if, and, and if you're here and you're, you're wired in a way that you need it to do, I don't have 10 things for you to do. I, I, I don't actually have anything for you to do. I have one thing for you to be on guard against. Because as a pastor, I want to equip you even if I'm not your pastor. Today, let me equip you as a pastor. Part of my number one priority and responsibility is the care for souls. And so it's to alert you of the tactics of the enemy. We don't spend a ton of time there because I don't love giving the enemy a ton of credit. I like to spend most of my time on who God is and what he does for you. But I don't want you living vulnerable to the tactics of the enemy. And here's one of the tactics he uses. He wants you and myself to live confused about the nature of God. He wants us distrusting God and distancing ourselves from God. He will use disappointments. He will use missed expectations. He can confuse our mind from living as the beloved of God and one of the key tactics he uses that is an, a, a direct assault on Jehovah Jireh is the trap of comparison. The trap of comparison. It is an attack on the nature of God's provision and how he moves and provides for us. It is one of the negative byproducts in a social media and digital age. You know, decades ago, they used to call it keeping up with the Joneses, and they were talking about the physical house in your neighborhood or a coworker. Now, it's, it's keeping up with everybody on your feed. Social media, you can get distracted. And in life, <laughs> you can study it. The details are out there. It's amazing. On a quadrillion, I don't even know if that's accurate amount, but a quadrillion dollar industry is trying to get you discontent. They're making a lot of money on us being unsatisfied. But the spirit, if you will, the reveal behind it is a tactic of the enemy. And he'll use fear. He'll use manipulation. And he'll use comparison. And here's what comparison says. You may be in your journey. You may be in a daily bread season. Where God, in your uniqueness and the beauty and glory and uniqueness of your story, God is establishing within you daily bread. He's letting you know that he can be trusted. Daily bread. He's faithful. He, he, sometimes you start a new career and you think, oh man, I hope they don't fire me. He's coming alongside you and he's letting you know, trust me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to excel you in this career. 
You may have moved to a new area. I'm, you're going to be blessed in this area. But it's a little, the ground's a little shaky, so it takes some days and weeks and months getting in your life. Now, here's, here's what can be difficult. God's establishing daily bread in you, and you look into the right and seeing exceeding abundance in somebody else, and you like envy. Ever heard of it? It's a punk. <laughs> Comparison leads to envy. Envy leads to discontentment. Discontentment leads to self-pity. I've given too many hours and too much money to self-pity in my life. Always starts with a small seed of comparison. Why not rejoice with others in their season and let God establish his faithfulness in your journey? An attitude of gratitude sounds cliche. It can sound, you know, a bit redundant, but I'm telling you, it sets up a guard in your heart to experience and encounter God, to know God's ways. I'm glad Abraham wasn't like, you know, on social media in that day and age. You know, he just, he's like, oh, God, okay, that's it. You know, God was establishing his feet, establishing his order. Comparison can be a trick and, and, and an idol. And what it'll do is it will pull you out of discontent. It will lure you out of God's faithfulness and the Jaira, Jehovah Jaira aspect of his identity and nature towards you. There's been seasons, we could bring up these three. When I talk about provision, I think of three things. And, I, and, and all of them are positive. All of them are amazing. If you think about it, all of them are miraculous. It's a remarkable way the Lord works. But if you're not careful, you can begin to view some as insignificant and only long for others. And then you can spend a decade being unsettled because you haven't made peace with what God is doing in your life. All of these are amazing points of provision. And think about daily bread. You know, it would be a funny story if Abraham was like, listen, one ram in the thicket, why couldn't you have given me two? You know, it'd be like, Abraham, what? what's your deal? That's so obscure. Daily bread, it's enough for today. Abundance, where I believe the Lord leads us. More than enough for today. It's an oversufficient quantity or supply. And then to extravagance, that excessive. It is. You ever encountered God in that way? You're like, whoo, slow down, Lord. You're a little excessive. There's parts in our relationship where he's just that good. He's going to be that faithful. And he's going to pour out such a blessing, excessive or unnecessary expenditure. You want, to, you want to read a story? I won't hear, but I'll allude to. Do you want to know a story of excessiveness? It's a third parable in the three lost parables. Ridiculous, excessive, prodigious is the word. Father, who a son who had ripped him off of half the inheritance and run hundreds of miles in the opposite direction. He didn't wisely invest it. He spent it at Ibiza in Spain, staying up to 3 a.m. in the club, partay. 
until it was no longer apartheid. And then he came back. And the prodigious, where we get the word prodigal, the prodigious spendfifth, reckless mercy, love was poured out again saying, hey, welcome home, son. I've missed you. It's the goodness of God. Can be tethered to Jehovah Jireh. It's more than we deserve. God is abundant and overflowing with his love. That's his grace towards us. His grace is not just daily bread. It's way more than enough. Amen? Amen. Know this, that God wants to be experienced and encountered by you. Right where you are with what you're walking through. It's good to take time and prayerfully reflect. What part of God's personality are you encountering? What season are you experiencing? You know, there's some seasons I go through in my life where, man, he's just holding me. Like, I'm, I'm tired, I'm weary, but I'm experiencing Jehovah Nisi. You knew I couldn't fight another battle, but what did you do? You go all out and show out and win the war. That's, there are those moments. There are other times where circumstances are not peaceful, but God just surrounds me with his peace and just starts smoothing the way before. There's been times where, honestly... Looking ahead, I've been borderline depressed, discouraged, and disappointed. But then a seed of hope began to rise as Jehovah Jireh was proven true time and time again. It'd be fun to be curious this week about how God is wanting to prove himself in your life. You know he can be trusted and found faithful. Amen?